Alright guys, so this is SSD, Sustainable Self-Development, a podcast for people who want to get ahead in fitness and in life without driving themselves crazy. So if you want to look up a year from now and think, damn, I came a long way, but you don't want to burn out in the process as you get there, you came to the right place. We'll get into today's episode in just a second, but just want to let you know that we have an awesome community on Facebook in the form of a group which you can join, where we discuss and debate things, drop ideas debate over which person to interview for the next podcast and all that good stuff so go to facebook type in sustainable self-development or you can just check the show notes here and click the link there and you'll find the sustainable self-development facebook group and you can join also not sure where you're listening to this right now but this podcast is available on a variety of platforms iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbeam, and YouTube. You can find it on all of these platforms if you just type in sustainable self-development because luckily nobody is weird enough to name themselves in such a way except me. So look me up on these places and follow the show by subscribing so that you don't miss future episodes. And with that, let's get into the show. Hey guys, it's Abel here again with a new solo episode and I believe this is episode 45 of the Sustainable Self-Development Podcast. And in this particular episode, I'll do something rather strange as I'll be reflecting on a Facebook post actually. And in particular, I would like to talk about a recent post that a former coach and kind of informal mentor of mine, Birge Fagerli, has put out recently on the topic of training volume. And this was a fantastic post that has received a lot of likes on Facebook and a lot of ongoing slew of reshares that kept happening for the upcoming week, um, which tells you right away that this was really a post that made people think, and rightfully so. And I'll, of course, link to the post in the description of this podcast episode. So the gist of this Facebook post was, if I had to summarize it in one or two sentences, is that a lot of people do way too excessive volumes of work in the gym, given their goals and life circumstances. And most of them should really consider lowering the amount of training volume they do, as he has done so for a lot of his clients who have now made at least as good or in many cases better progress compared to what they could do on much higher volumes. And very importantly, now they are able to achieve their results with much less aches and pains and just overall burnout rates. And the reason I really wanted to reflect on this is in many regards, this post was kind of a wake-up call and a punch-in-the-face sort of thing for me in a positive way. And I have actually made considerable changes to my training shortly after reading this. Now, of course, in general, I wouldn't recommend anybody to just randomly revamp their training protocols on a whim based on somebody's Facebook post. But in this case, the changes that I've implemented were those that I had known for quite a while that I should do, but haven't done so mainly because of personal psychology and uh, preferences. So I hope that this will make some of you think and reevaluate what you do. I'm sure that for some of you, this will be completely irrelevant because you're already training smart. But if this has the potential to help even one person, then I consider this a worthwhile investment from my part to do this episode. So with that, let's jump right in. So as most of you in fitness will probably know, training volume is a rather critical component of any training setup, which, by the way, can be expressed in a number of ways. But in this podcast episode, I'll refer to training volume in terms of number of working sets performed per muscle group per week. And if you're curious as for the reasoning behind that, I'll defer you to an article by Greg Knuckles that I linked in the description of this podcast. But what's important for us right now is that manipulating training volume appropriately for your given needs 
goals and training age is very important of a consideration to make your long-term training progression as successful as it can be. You probably also know that in general, it seems like up to a certain point at least, the more volume you do, the better. Now, this has led a lot of people, obviously, at least those that are interested in making the most amount of progress possible, to up their training volume to the absolute highest degree possible to eke out the most amount of benefits possible. So they started doing uh, in the ballpark of 18, 20, even 25 sets per muscle group per week. So this is all for a general background. Uh, with that, let's jump into the first point of Berges' Facebook post, which I'm just going to quote this, not exactly the way he wrote, as I'll skip some parts that are not relevant for our discussion here. So I'll quote, I know this is going to cause some controversy, but as the years go by and I work with more and more people, I'm becoming more and more convinced that you don't need as much volume as you think. Even Brett Schoenfeld's meta-analysis showed that less than five weekly sets provided 5.4% gains, five to nine weekly sets provided 6.6% gains, whereas 10 plus sets provided 9.8%. This makes it sound like you get twice the gains by doubling the volume, but in practice, it doesn't play out quite like this. The rate of gains might be higher in the short term, but a very common outcome is that fast gains lead to faster stagnation, and in many cases, various connective tissue problems or other overreaching symptoms. And end quote. So I think that the first question to ask ourselves is, okay, we know that higher volumes produce more gains, but really how much more gains do they produce compared to smaller amounts of volume, right? We all know, hopefully, most of you watching this know that there are diminishing returns to upping your training volume. So it's not like you get linearly more gains with increasing your training volume, at least not after a certain point. And secondly, another really important question is how significant are these increased gains are when weighed against the increased time investment that is necessary and the increased injury risk that comes with doing higher volumes. So for example, let's say you increase your training volume from 10 weekly sets, which is a decent but not super high volume of training to 20 sets, which if you do 20 sets for all or most of your muscle groups, that's quite a bit of total volume. That's also a fair amount of time spent in the gym. And so let's see what would actually happen. You would probably get more gains or faster gains rather. But the question is how much faster? It's tough to say as I don't believe there are good studies examining these numbers. But I don't think that anybody would claim that you will get two times faster gains by doing 20 sets, right? That's kind of insane. It's also quite unlikely that you would get 1.5 times or 50% faster gains. But for the sake of making this illustrative, let's assume that you actually do get 50% faster gains by doing 20 sets as opposed to 10. That sounds like an insane amount of improvement. And, you know, given the realities of drug-free lifting, it is. But in practice, what does that really mean? Well, in a real-life setting, what this would mean is that, let's say, in a year, you could build 10 pounds of muscle as an intermediate lifter if you progress as fast as you can. Now, if you were to reduce your training volume to 10 sets a week instead of 20 sets, you would only build 6.6 .6 pounds of muscle instead of 10. Or rather, instead of needing 12 months to put on 10 pounds, it would take 18 months. I don't know about you, but when I see these numbers laid out like this... To me, it's kind of laughable to even sweat over the prospect of achieving this. Maybe if all that extra four pounds of muscle came onto the peak of my biceps or side delts, I would consider it. Now, sure, if all things were equal, I would rather take a faster progress over a slower one, but all things are not equal because doing 20 sets instead of 10 comes with the following downsides. A significantly higher time investment in the gym, 
a considerably higher risk of injury or at least wear and tear on your joints and a significantly higher need for more complex periodization models and strategies for fatigue management and an overall greater need for recovery, which makes your overall lifestyle that much more inflexible. You know, if you only do 10 sets a week, for example, you don't have to sweat as much, for example, having one or two nights of shitty sleep during the week or staying up late. If you do 16 to 20 sets a week, you can't really afford that because you will plateau like crazy or you will have to deload something like every other week. So given these potential downsides, is it really worth to do all those extra sets? My answer is that for some of you, the answer is maybe. For some of you, all the downsides I just presented might be completely irrelevant, and if there were 10 more, even more serious potential risks involved with increasing your training volume drastically, you would still take it. But for a lot of us, given the goals that we have and the reasons why we train in the first place, it just doesn't make sense to take this decision on. Now, here's where the next point from Berge becomes relevant, which is those who tolerate, thrive, or benefit from higher volumes usually have one or more of the following traits. Submaximal training, keeping more reps in reserve, either by intent or because they're not used to going to failure. Great genetics with a frame built for gaining strength and muscle mass. Young guys and girls with optimal hormone levels and great recovery. And specialists who have worked up to tolerating that volume over years within their respective sports. They also have their recovery needs taken care of, and some of them are often full-time athletes or competitors who live, breathe, and die by their respective sports. And lastly, drug use. Everyone else, we might think or want to belong to one of these demographics, but I think it's wiser to take an objective look at what hand nature has dealt us and to do a more intelligent investment strategy with your training efforts. I know you probably don't like to hear this, but when we get to a certain point, it will be hard to gain even 1 to 2 pounds, 0.5 to 1 kilograms of muscle mass per year. How much effort and time are you really willing to put on to gain those 500 grams of muscle? Answer that before reading on, end quote. So I think this brings up a great point, which is rethinking this concept of minimum effective dose. I have heard a great discussion with Ian McCarthy and Mike Isratel, where Ian defined minimum effective dose as the minimum amount of training that reliably generates the outcome that you want. And Mike was not a fan of this term as he looked at it as kind of a pie in the sky, vague concept. But I actually, the more and more I think about it, the more sense it makes to me. I think a lot of us and a lot of people listening to this who do not compete, do not plan to step on a bodybuilding stage anytime soon, have certain body composition goals. And there's a certain amount of work that will reliably generate those body composition goals. Now, as for what those goals are, I think for most people, it's getting to the point where you have gained the majority amount of muscle that you're ever going to gain, and you're lean enough to look quote-unquote aesthetic, whatever that means, looking something like the guys you will see when you open up a fitness magazine, right? I think that's a reasonable general description of what most people want to get out of their training in terms of body composition. And then we need to ask the question, what is the recipe for this? Well, the average guy probably needs to put on 30 to 40 pounds of muscle compared to the guy who doesn't even lift at all, which chances are you are not someone who never even lifted. Most of you listening to this have probably been training for at least a year or have done some sort of sports at least. So you probably have about 15 to 20 pounds of muscle out of this 40. So you need to put on another 20 pounds of muscle, let's say. You probably also want to put on those 20 pounds as fast as you can, which if you're an intermediate-ish level lifter, 
it will probably take you at least two years, assuming that you're not overweight or that you're not super scared of putting on weight and you're willing to actually eat something to support your gains, which is a whole different topic altogether. And then there you have it. That is basically the recipe you're trying to put together. 20 pounds of muscle over two years. And then the question is, what is the minimum effective dose for this? And the answer is, it's probably doable with 10 to 12 sets a week. We can say it for sure. We don't have hard data to back this up. But at least anecdotally, we have seen a lot of guys doing it with quote-unquote minimalistic approaches, um, which again brings up once again the power of anecdote that some of the training programs out there that one might call cookie cutter, but that do have lots of testimonials and communities of people formed around it that provides a backing for them are actually right around that training volume amount of 10 to 12 sets a week. Now, of course, this shouldn't make us ignore the fact that some of the smartest evidence-based fitness content producers talk about the fact that if you want to be the best then you might need to have periods of much higher volumes, up to 20 to 25 sets per week even. But it's important to keep in mind that these people don't talk about the average person wanting to put on 20 pounds of muscle. They are, for the most part, talking about competitive athletes. They are talking about the natural pro who has already been on the bodybuilding stage, and now he or she really wants to bring his or her best package to the stage. Or they are talking about someone who has already put on those 20 pounds of muscle, that the average intermediate lifter is looking after. And now they're looking to put on those two to five pounds of muscle that is possibly there for them in the cards in terms of what they can gain. And I think any evidence-based coach or practitioner will tell you that to eke out those last few percentages of muscle growth at the end of your development takes a disproportionately large amount of work and you may well end up having to work harder for those last pounds of muscle than you ever had to for your first 30 to 40 pounds. Which is why, by the way, you will hear quite a few people with a very decent physique talk about the fact that they don't want more size, which is a concept that used to just not make sense to me. Like who in their right mind would just not want to put on more size, especially when we talk about natural lifters who, for the most part, pretty much have zero chances of looking quote unquote too big. But over time, I had to realize that what most of them mean when they say this is they don't want that additional increase in muscle size so much that it would make the extra hassle that they need to take on in order to get it worthwhile. So they can choose between maintaining a moderate amount of training volume that smoothly blends into their busy and otherwise not overly athlete resembling lifestyles and keep looking the way they look, or they can decide to significantly increase their workloads and really try to squeeze out whatever small amounts of gains are left in their bodies. Okay, a next point which has been a great wake-up call for myself was this, quote, I would take some time for honest introspection. Are your gains in the gym the last few months or years in line with the time and effort you spend there? End quote. Now, reading this was a rather funny experience for me because just the other day, I looked in the mirror and I literally told myself this. I work a little too hard for being in this position. Now, as a quick side note, most of you probably don't know how I look like with my shirt off, and I think this can stay this way in general, as by social media standards, I'm borderline pathetic. By jam pop standards, I basically look like a guy who kind of lifts, so nothing that any one of you are really likely dying to see. So this is just for context. So it's not that I am totally dissatisfied with the results that I have achieved over the years, but if I ask myself the question, are my results reflecting the amount of time and mental resources that I have dedicated to my training, the answer is hell no, with all caps. 
And if I ask myself the question, could I have achieved the same amount of physique development by being in the gym four days a week, doing 10-ish sets a week? The answer is almost certainly yes. If I'm being honest, one of the core reasons behind me spending amounts of time in the gym that I have, despite somewhere deep down knowing that it was unnecessary, were reasons like procrastinating on things or trying to get away from things that I knew I should have been working on, using the gym as an escape mechanism to avoid facing areas of my life I was uncomfortable in, fearing that if I'm not in the gym all the time, my quote-unquote nutrient partitioning will be worse because of hashtag muscle protein synthesis and I won't get to eat as much. So I had my own not-so-glorious reasons for being in the gym 7 to 10 hours a week and walking around with creaky joints all the time. It just so happens that making optimal progress given my goals was not one of those reasons. And this is where the actual recommendations that Bergen makes are actually very interesting. And I'm just going to read them here. Quote, Take 9 to 14 days completely off and do something completely different. Walking, hiking, biking, swimming, play with your balls. I'm obviously talking about soccer, baseball, tennis, etc. Some easy mobility work, for example, tai chi and yoga. Just do something completely different to reset your mind and body. Then go back to the gym, start with one set only and lighter loads for the first week or two. Two to three workouts per week is fine. Go harder for the next week or two then add one or two sets on a few exercises, not all of them, per workout where you need to. Watch your strength increase quickly at first, then settle at a reasonable but consistent rate for the long haul. Don't push it and learn to appreciate how it feels to leave the gym without being completely drained or with serious aches, pains, or soreness constantly bothering you. Enjoy training, but not just in the gym lifting weights. I believe it is important to have fun and your body is capable of a lot more if you just experiment. End quote. My comments would be, I'm not sure if it's absolutely necessary to take two weeks off of the gym, but this is what I can tell you from personal experience. Going through a phase of not being in the gym at all can accomplish the following things. For one, as Berge said, in a sense, it resets your neurotic mindset. When you have been destroying yourself in the gym every single day for months and months on end, it's easy to trick yourself into thinking that whatever body composition you have at the moment is thanks to you having spent all that time there. Even if your results are not really up to what you had hoped to achieve, it's easy to trick yourself into thinking that you would have been even worse off had you not spent all that time there. And after not being there for a week, you might be surprised to find out that your muscles will not shrink all of a sudden, you will not put on a bunch of fat all of a sudden, because guess what? You being lean was not really due to you being in the gym for an hour or 90 minutes a day, as lifting weights doesn't burn that many calories in the first place. And it might actually give you a hint that you can actually slow down quite a bit more than what you believed. This just happened to me not long ago when I took a week off due to sickness. And amazingly, after not being in the gym for about four days, I basically woke up looking better almost every day. Seriously, it didn't even make sense. My vascularity was up. I looked fuller and tighter. At one point, I even hit a most muscular pose in some half netty lighting in my bathroom. And basically, I looked like I normally do after some crazy pump work in the gym. And my guess is that it all happened because I was chronically overreaching in the gym before. I was constantly depleting my glycogen stores. I was probably overstressing my body and retaining a lot of water. And only then did I finally let that dissipate. 
this brings to point number two, which is a related point, which is this kind of experience can be very useful for getting rid of the unnecessary neurotic behaviors that don't really serve you all that well, like feeling a compulsion to go to the gym just so that you can eat enough food. I have literally been of the mindset that any day that I'm not in the gym, I'm just going to do a protein-sparing modified fast and literally going to starve myself on 1,200 calories. Now, I think these things can be cool little hacks, if you will, or tools in a tool belt uh, that you can turn to depending on your goals on a fat loss phase, for example. But as a general lifestyle, I think it's pretty ludicrous to get into the mindset that if you don't hit your workout for whatever reason, then you're not allowed to eat, basically. Especially if you're predisposed to disordered eating, which a good portion of the fitness industry is to begin with. Not being in the gym for two weeks can certainly function as a reset process for such behaviors. Now, a third interesting benefit, which Burgess Post also alluded to, is that it can also function as a means of making you appreciate lower volumes again. Once again, if you've been hammering yourself with 15 plus sets of volume every week for a long time, doing only 10 to 12 sets a week seems like being a complete wuss and an amount of work that you might as well just not do at all. And being away from the gym for a while can help you reignite your appreciation for lower volumes of work. A fourth benefit is that it can, in a way, force you to think about areas of your life that you have neglected up until now, maybe intentionally, maybe because you became inevitably short-sighted because of your hyper-focus on your fitness goals. You know, if you couldn't go through the whole ritual associated with your gym time for a given day, including the travel time, the workout itself, the post-workout meal, and all of that stuff, how would you use that time? In what other ways would you have fun? For a lot of us, forcing ourselves to go through something like this might be the only way to face the reality that for a long time we neglected our social life, our general life skills, our hobbies, or career ambitions for a long time. Unfortunately, once again, I'm speaking from personal experience, and it might be, like I know it can be, an excruciatingly painful experience at first to make this realization. But if we suck it up and face reality anyway, a few months down the line, we can be back on the right path to winning at life once again. And lastly, a very irrelevant practical benefit is that taking a break from the gym for a while is letting fatigue inflammation in tendons and other connective tissues dissipate and injuries in the making can regress finally. Uh, I think the benefits of this are pretty straightforward. So I think all in all, when asking the question of whether it's a worthwhile proposition for us to train with high, I mean, considerably higher than 10 sets a week uh, training volumes, I think the following answers are possible. One, if your goal is to look really good, and by that I mean look at least 90% as good as we are potentially capable of, then for most of us, the answer is probably not. Two, if your goal is to be competitive or you just have an intrinsic drive to be the absolute best that you can as kind of a personal challenge, so you want to be as close to 100% sure that you're leaving nothing on the table, then the answer is for you, it might be well warranted. Three, if looking really good and being strong is only one of your goals, but an important factor in your decision-making is that you just simply like spending time in the gym, then it might also be warranted to do high volumes. In that case, though, it's worth to take at least an honest look in the mirror to ask yourself whether you're trying to cover up some other area of your life by doing this that might be worth addressing. And four, lastly, there is, of course, always the possibility that you're someone who just requires higher volumes of work to achieve the goals that are achievable for most people by doing smaller amounts of training volume. Now, 
just before I say the final concluding sentence, uh, some caveats that I want to throw in here. For one, I'm fully aware that a lot of the experts that we think of as quote-unquote high-volume proponents don't advocate hammering yourself to the ground all the time by doing 20 sets. Most of them recommend a periodized approach where you have periods of low-volume phases, periods of hanging right around that 10-ish set mark, and then periods of pushing it much harder. Um, during which you would actually reach those 20 plus sets volume marks. So if you were to average out the average weekly set volume, considering all the high and all the low volume periods, all the deloads, etc., maybe it would come out at the end to be at the ballpark of maybe 14, 15, 16 sets. So I'm certainly not trying to strawman any of these people and would very much like to acknowledge that one can very productively take their routine and be at the end very safe in terms of injury risk and fatigue management. But then again, an approach that regularly has one to push their limits very hard does take more of an athlete mentality and to a large extent an athlete-like lifestyle. This brings me to another disclaimer that I'd like to make here, which is I mentioned before that I'm pretty sure that the results that I had achieved by doing 16 sets while I'm not entirely dissatisfied with them, I'm almost certain that I could have achieved them by doing much less, maybe 10 sets a week. And it's important to clarify that I don't think that the excessive volumes per se were what stood in my way of making these gains. I think it's more so the fact that if you want to make quote-unquote high-volume bodybuilding training work, so doing 16-plus sets a week work, then you simply need a lot more methodical approach with your programming, fatigue management, recovery parameters. And those were the kind of details that I was just not willing to concern myself with. And I think that's kind of the story for a lot of people that are into the lifting game. They are willing to put in the work, they are willing to show up in the gym day to day, week to week, but there is just another layer of added complexity that comes when pushing your workloads beyond a certain point, which again, I'm just not sure is quite warranted for a lot of people given their goals. So after making the caveats that I just made, all in all, if I had to sum up this podcast in one sentence, it would be this. Consider the possibility of doing only 10 sets per muscle group per week even if you're currently doing 20. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave a comment and subscribe if you watch this on YouTube. If you listen to this on iTunes, please leave a rating to help this stuff grow. SoundCloud and Podbeam, you can just follow me to be notified on future episodes. And to be a contributing member of this podcast, join the Sustainable Self-Development Facebook group where you can drop ideas about future podcasts. I very often ask my listeners for tips and advice on who to get on next. So if you're interested in getting into discussions like that, be sure to join the Facebook group. And if you don't want to go through the searching process, just click one of those links in the show notes slash video description. It is all there. All right. Thanks for hanging around up until now and see you next time.